It's time for JT the Brick. Raider Nation unite! We're a show based on fans. Embrace the culture, embrace the history of this organization. Feels like football. Man, you know, since I've been here, I've only had one winning season. So really, like, all the individual accolades don't really mean nothing when you don't win. That's a gritty, gutty win! Yeah, this is what I dreamed of, you know? This is this is what it's all about. We're not going backwards. We're going to do this right. Obviously, you know, we would love to, you know, play in a Super Bowl in our hometown. They hate you. They despise you. They think you're a bunch of thugs. JT the Brick. Who's the number one rival of the Broncos? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of the Chargers? The Raiders. Who's the number one rival of Kansas City? Without question, the Oakland, L.A., and now Las Vegas Raiders. Honestly, I don't care who I play against. I go out there. I don't discriminate. I treat everybody the same way. When we, when we go out there, and I'm more concerned about what we're doing as a football team and what I'm doing personally. And now, your Las Vegas Raiders. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT. In studio today, I'm on bleeping fire. Thanks for tuning in. Got a lot to cover today on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. We are brought to you by PTs. PTs fuels the monologue. Why? They've been with me the longest. I know everyone over at the company. They treat me great. I give them added value, I hope, by talking about the Strat. Arizona Charlie's, the best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. All the charity work they do, everything they do in the community. We thank Golden Entertainment for everything I don't have a show without them. They are big time. We appreciate it. They continue to open up more and more taverns. They treat their employees great. And I love the fact that I can open up the show and mention PTs and all that they do. Let's go. Okay, so yesterday I got a lot of text. A lot of people reached out to me and said, man, you're out of your mind. What the hell's going on? You're all right? I said, no, I'm not all right, man. The team lost. I was in Chicago. It was a bad loss. Uh, Every loss... Every loss I treat the same. It's a loss. You can't lose games. You can't. You can't lose games in the NFL. you got to win games, but it's hard to win. And then there are levels of victories. Levels of victories. The Holy Roller. Sea of Hands. The Heidi Game. The AFC Championship Game. The Super Bowls. Super Bowls, 11, 15, and 18. There are levels of wins. This organization is based on championships You know that. You know that. If we lose you on that path, then you're gone. They want to win, and they want to win bad. And then there's levels of losses. The tuck rule. Okay? The immaculate deception. The Super Bowl to Tampa. There's levels of losses that are heartbreaking that rip your guts out. And the loss in Chicago wasn't a Super Bowl. It wasn't a game that they're going to name famously like the Immaculate Reception. None of that. It was just a really bad loss in the regular season for a team that can't afford to lose games like that. You know, the old teams back in the day, the 11 Angry Men, the Madden-led teams, the Madden-led teams that lost a lot of big games. They won so many games along the way, but they lose the championship game And you'd be like, oh, my God, they could have won that Super Bowl. Look who won the Super Bowl. Joe Namath, they were better than that team. Len Dawson won. They beat them twice that year. They won the Super Bowl. And you you pull your hair out and go, those are Super Bowls that got away from the Raiders. This past Sunday in Chicago wasn't a Super Bowl-esque game. It wasn't a game that you look back on and say, wow, this is one I'll never forget. But for me, it was a pivotal loss In the 2023 season. It was a devastating loss considering what the Raiders need to do. 
the Raiders need to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Every team in the league believes they're supposed to beat the Raiders. We have a handful of games on the schedule that we believe we should win. No bigger one than Chicago. They were 1-5 in five coming into the game. They had Tyson Bajan at quarterback. They're pretty much checked out, and the Raiders had nothing. That's a pretty big deal. I'm looking at that. How could that happen? How could that happen? And I tried to analyze it, and we're doing – today we moved back Raiders roundtable – because the game's on Monday, our conversation with Lincoln Kennedy. I got to interview the coach on Thursday. Last week, I sat right across from him, the only guy in town. Only guy in town, me. And I asked him, how do you get the ball to Devontae more? How do you make smarter decisions to Devontae that could lead to better plays? We asked him all of that, and he gave us the right answers. They're trying to get him the ball and all that. And I really thought they were going to win the game. Didn't think they'd win it easily because they never win easily. Every game is a bleeping heart attack. Every game is like that. Every game you sit there and you go, I don't believe this. We're sitting here in the fourth quarter and we got to come back and have a win. We need to come back or we need to hold on to a lead barely. That's the whole season. And then the Chicago game happened. So I did another show last night on SiriusXM. I did a podcast this morning with Looney and got a pretty busy day today. And I'm sitting back and I'm driving in here to the studio and I said, I can't let this happen. I don't want to sit here before Halloween and be a miserable human being to my wife, my sons, my dog, my neighbors, my friends. I just want to get back on track and win. So I said when I came into Bobby, we got to pivot. We got to get to Detroit. But I think we need another day to look back on what happened in Chicago. And how could it be a little bit different today than it was yesterday with me like a freight train coming in and just freaking out? I think today we have to take a look at what's at stake going forward. So my big focus and call to action in the monologue is this. I don't want to hear about anything from fans, from anybody else, about what needs to happen. We know what needs to happen. The offense needs to open up. The defense needs to play better. We know all of this. We have the answers. It's an open book test. And they left the answers in front of you because they want you to pass the class. So we all know the answers. What I need to know is emotionally what needs to happen going into Detroit. Because whatever is working, traveling east does not work. It doesn't work. You can say we hope it works. It's a smart thing to do. We travel on the right day. We get there early. We have the walkthrough. It doesn't work. So what I think what needs to happen now is a term I don't like to use. I think we need to get desperate. And what I mean by that is not desperate because... We're going to keep our job, lose our job. He's going to get cut. He should be cut and all that. What I think what needs to happen is the team needs something big emotionally somewhere within the organization now to flip the script. And the only people I think that could be called on to do this, unfortunately, because they don't have enough good players, are Max Crosby, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Josh Jacobs. Now, you might say, why did I leave out Devontae? Because Devontae's already chirping. We're, we already know what Devontae thinks, and he's super professional. He's a captain. He is not divisive. He just wants the ball a little bit more. And they came out, and they got him the ball. Why couldn't they sustain getting him the ball? It's because of the inferior play at this stage of the quarterbacks who are here that aren't pro bowlers, aren't Hall of Famers. They're not at the level of Jimmy G, but we're getting Jimmy G back. 
So I'm sitting here now wondering what Jimmy G needs to do because I like him a lot. And, again, I don't know much about him, but every time I see him, he comes right up to me. I come right up to him. Man, hey, man, I hope you're feeling good. Let's go. Let's win the game. I don't have nothing bad to say about Jimmy Garoppolo as a person. I think he's a high-character guy. This is Jimmy G time now. Okay? They moved on from the former quarterback. I understand why. He never won a playoff game in nine years. They brought in their guy, Jimmy G, because they didn't have a high enough draft pick to go get Anthony Richardson. They didn't have a high enough draft pick to go out and get C.J. Stroud without giving up the farm. They didn't have a high enough draft pick to get Bryce Young, who hasn't won a game. And they didn't do that. So they got Aiden O'Connell in the fourth round. I think a really good pick. I like Aiden a lot. I think his upside's there. But they decided to go with Jimmy G. So now you got a coach, a general manager, and a quarterback that's got to get this train moving very quickly. Got to get the thing moving. And they're familiar with each other. They all know each other well. They all like each other. They support each other. They chose Jimmy Garoppolo. They didn't have to. I actually like the choice. And I admit when I'm wrong. I screw up five times a day before breakfast. Some people don't think I can admit I'm wrong. I'm not saying I'm wrong with Jimmy G. They brought Jimmy G in for the right reasons. They wanted a quarter. And they knew his injury history. They thought, you know, he was going to be healthy for every game. That's what you assume. And they brought him in because they thought he'd be better in the red zone. Not from the 20 to the 20, to the red zone. He'd be better than Derek Carr. I agreed with that. I thought that Derek at times was reckless in the red zone. Threw the ball into the ground, checked down, threw it out of bounds on fourth down. I mean, I wanted to see Jimmy, see if he could do this. And Jimmy's not available to play. So if you guessed that Jimmy wasn't going to be healthy enough, you win. You've won that conversation up to now. I can admit that. But Jimmy needs to play. And he needs to play at a high level. We don't need a warm-up game for Jimmy Garoppolo in Detroit. So as I talk about being desperate, I think what has to happen now is Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be called on to play a great game. Because he hasn't played a good game this year. He's played average. Played well in Denver. I thought in Denver he played well. I love the run to stay in bounds to end the game. I love the touchdowns to Jacoby. I think Jacoby's a good target for him. And Jimmy G was playing well in the game he got injured. Okay, that game, he was playing well when he got hurt. I really thought if Jimmy stayed in that game, he'd have the first game where we could go, you know? He played the whole game. He threw for three touchdowns. He threw for 290 yards. Everybody saw it, and here goes Jimmy. Jimmy's now out of the stall. He's ready to go. He's not there now. So this isn't a negative Jimmy G monologue. He was brought in for a lot of early guaranteed money. He will not be the quarterback of the Raiders long-term if he doesn't win. A lot of people won't be around if they don't win. We all know that. So it's now time to go win. The other point I'd like to make is Detroit. Detroit's been a doormat your whole life. They've been a laughing stock in this league. It's impossible to be one of the original teams in this league dating back to the motor car which the Ford family invented the motor vehicle and to stink. They even sucked when Barry Sanders was there. Barry, you forget about that. Barry was the best player in the league. The team still sucked with Scott Mitchell and some of the quarterbacks that they had. They weren't any good. But why are they in the last two years ahead of the Raiders now? That's a question that needs to be examined. Why are the Miami Dolphins ahead of the Raiders with Mike McDaniel in two years, and we're not ahead of the Dolphins. 
all have the same money to buy the same players, all have the money to go out and pay for the same things. We have a better facility. Mark Davis has a better stadium and a practice facility. Why aren't we there? And that will be debated when the time is right. But the time now is to go win a game against Detroit. We're not asking you have to win in Kansas City, which we will at some point. We're not going to say, hey, man, you got to go win this game. You must win this game in Baltimore against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. You have to. We're asking to beat Detroit that got bludgeoned by the Ravens and embarrassed. Okay, I don't think they're going to play that poorly again. But the problem is we are not the opponent that Baltimore was. So they are sitting back in Detroit today really energetic. They're getting chewed out by their coach, Dan Campbell. Chewed out. Look at the film. Get in here and look at the film. Burn the tape. You guys were awful. And they are bouncing off the walls. They can't wait to play the Las Vegas Raiders. They want to destroy the Raiders. And I'm just a sports talk host. I know this. You know this. You don't think the Raiders know this? Everybody knows this over in Henderson. So the Raiders must play at a desperate level, which means no field goals inside the 30. We're going for it. Okay? This means no checkdowns. No checkdowns. We're throwing 30 yards over the middle to Michael Mayer. This means on the first four plays of the game, we are going to take a shot to Trey Tucker like we did with Cliff Branch. We're just going to let him know we're here. Hey, we're here, everybody. We're taking shots. And then the game's going to pick up, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if they're going to win or lose. But I think the Raiders must come out early in this game with an energy level like you haven't seen. You know, on Halloween, people pretend to be someone. Little boys want to be Superman. Little girls want to be Taylor Swift. Everybody has a Halloween holiday to pretend to be someone they're not. A cowboy, an Indian, whatever it is, a soldier, G.I. Joe when I was a kid, right? Well, the Raiders for Halloween need to prepare like they are a bunch of badass superheroes. That they don't give a crap what my friend Stephen A. Smith thinks or Randy Moss, who hates the Raiders, or anybody on these talk shows are saying about the Raiders. They, somebody in that building needs to put together a reel. Three minutes of all the disrespectful and disgraceful things that are being said about this organization and team right now. Put it on a two-minute and 50-second reel and play it. Play it on the plane, play it in the pregame, and get someone going. And I said I wasn't going to go. Look at, the, look at the Apple Watch heart rate. I said I wasn't going to do this. This needs to be a moment in the season where this team shows up. Don't want to hear why they don't show up anymore. You know, it's a matter of three or four plays that didn't work. No, no, that's not the case. Is it a matter of, you know, we couldn't get off the field on third down. We went backwards with pre-snap penalties. No more. No more. This has got to be the moment. So... What the, I want the rest of the week to be about, I'm not saying you have to be positive. You've done a really good job, and I thank you on the show, because I say this on my national show. I want every team in the league to be 500. When every team in the league's 500, my business is flourishing, because everybody has hope. When everyone's 4-4 four and four and 6-6, six and six, everybody has hope. Then you got Kansas City that's going to be 12-3 and three at one point, and this and that. But when everybody's in the middle of the pack, there's hope. And the Raiders lost that hope 
briefly in Chicago. It's the first time I sat around and said, holy crap, we're three and four. We should be four and three with a chance to beat the Giants and the Jets to get to six and four maybe or seven and four, and then I can do a two months of radio on how to win a couple more to get to, get to the playoffs. So desperate times make for desperate radio, makes for desperate coaching. But these guys aren't desperate in the building. They're not, nor should they be. They're coaches. They're pros. Pros to the T. I've been telling you, they're pros. You might not like them all, but they really work hard and they're pros and they want to win and their wives want to win and their kids want to win and their grandkids want to win. And that this is their livelihood. And if you don't win, you're not here. You're just not going to keep a job, everybody, players, coaches, if you're not going to win. So let's flip the script. And I'm not saying they're going to win the game. At no point, no one's going to take this out of context. I am not here saying they're going to win the game. But we have to see something completely different, very different, and get it going right now. So I would like you to participate throughout the week here on what you think is going to be vastly different and what you expect to see. Chris in West Oakland starts us off on the flagship. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, JT. Yeah, I will. I will hit what I think they need to do, and what, this Lions game coming up a little more in the late week. But since I didn't get a call in yesterday, I really do want to revisit the Bears game because I think it's important. Because this is one of the worst performances I can ever remember the Raiders against a really bad team. Look, they've gone on the road before and gotten beaten bad by really bad teams and look lifeless. But to come out the way they did against a, a team like the Chicago Bears. Almost lifeless. Now, they opened up and went down the field, but once they missed that field goal, I don't know what happened. You were there in the game. It's like somebody popped the bubble, and, and it just they, they never recovered the, the rest of the day. And I listened to a, lot, a little bit of the post game. I listened to a lot of radio yesterday. I'm not going to get on here and do fire the coach radio. I think it's redundant. I don't think it really proves, serves any purpose. However, I do think every single segment of the Raiders right now deserves to be criticized for Sunday, and I'm going to start with Coach McDaniels. Number one, you're the head coach. It's your job to get this team ready to play. Although I do believe it's also on professional athletes to motivate themselves. But what I think looks really bad for Coach McDaniels right now, JT, and I think this is very fair, you've now lost a game to Jeff Saturday in his first game that had only been a coach for six days. You've lost a game to Baker Mayfield that was in the building for barely 48 hours. Now you lose a game to a Division II third-string quarterback making his first-ever NFL start. Those are bad looks. I don't question Coach McDaniel's X's and O ability. It's the way he prepares, the way he knows the opponent. I've heard your interviews. He's phenomenal about that. But there's a disconnect somewhere in getting these guys to play on the field for four quarters every single Sunday. And some of the, the game-time decisions. On fourth and three from the seven-yard line, you go for it and pick up a first down. But on fourth and two, you won't go for the touchdown. You kick the field goal. Those are just head-scratchers to me that makes absolutely no sense. But, again... I believe this team, JT, you say they should be 4-3. and three. Look, in all four of our losses, we've been down by at least 17 points. In a couple of those games, they've cut it to the end and, and kind of window-dressed it and made it look better. The reality is this team is closer to being 2-5 and five than they are 4-3 and three and 5-2. and two. And they better figure out something coming up this, this week against the Lions because you're not going to be able to beat the Lions scoring 18 points or 16 points or 12 points. You're going to probably have to do something you haven't done all year long and score 28 or 30. Offense. Offensively, 
I don't I, blame is one thing. Look, they're playing with a guy like Brian Hoyer. Yeah, he's a veteran. There's a reason the guy's never been a starting quarterback for the most part in 16 years. Nice, solid backup, but he is what he is. He is who he is. I do agree with you wholeheartedly that I believe Aiden O'Connell should have started the, the second half. I'm okay with Hoyer starting the game. He's the veteran. He played better. But when he clearly got, got nothing going, at that point you might as well go to the rookie. So I don't know what this offense is going to do going forward again. Jimmy G., I was worried about his injury history simply because guys don't usually get healthier as they get older. He's missed a couple of games, but there's still time in this season to get him back healthy for this team to make a run. But like I said, I don't know how they get the explosive plays. I don't know how you get Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, Josh Jacobs going. That's something for Coach McDaniels to figure out. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. You said it, JT, about Max Crosby. I've said it all year long. The only player on this defense that the other offense has to concern himself is Max Crosby. The reason we beat the Packers and the Patriots, Max Crosby was in the backfield all day long and completely wrecked their game plan. And because of that, other players played fairly well and did a few, you know, were able to make a couple of plays. Other than, a, other than one sack by, uh, I think Wilson got one and Crosby got one, the Raiders were pretty much neutralized, especially Max Crosby, and it made everybody else on the defense mm-hmm. look like they are ordinary players. The Raiders need studs, JT. We got the trade deadline going up. I don't know if they think they're a wild card team or not. And if you're not going to do anything with Hunter Renfro, he's too good to waste and he's too good to not get some trade value. I'd hate to see them just sit on him and not do anything mm-hmm. and keep him in his same role. But I, we always get Bruce Irvin, Malcolm Smith, Corey Littleton. I want the studs to make them good, play better. Corey Littleton didn't suck with the Raiders because of the scheme. He sucked because he didn't get to play behind Aaron Donald anymore. Right. I want the stud. We need the difference makers. We need the corners. Marcus Peters, our two big pickups, Marcus Peters, who, by the way, I'm going to finish with him, has done nothing this year. Marcus Epps has done nothing this year. These are our two big pickups. But let me finish with Marcus Peters. When you talk about the heart of a champion and what it means to be a Raider, He should be embarrassed, and he's a guy that should be on the chopping block this week. His effort has been substandard at best this year. And what Mark Sanchez on the broadcast twice points out the lack of effort and once even used the words, this is unexcusable, something's got to be done, a message has to be sent. I don't know if you cut him now, I don't know what. I don't know if he's a cancer in the locker room. All I know is I look at Marcus Peters right now, and I see a guy that looks like he wants to be anywhere Mm -hmm. besides playing football for the Raiders. But listen, man, i got to get into practice. Thanks for letting me get this off my chest. I will call you later in the week with with the Lions game. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Good energy to open it up here. I don't know what's going to happen to Marcus Peters. His play was absolutely atrocious, and he did not tackle nor want to tackle. A nice appearance. She brings it to us. She's live in studio. Woo! Steph McKenzie, the great Raider fan. Uh, what do I owe this? What uh, do I owe this? What What's going on? I was worried about you. I heard you like way down the hallway in the other part of the buildings, and so I had to make sure you were okay. <laughs> and every day I'm worried about you lately. So I'm fine. I'm fine. I mean, pretty soon we're going to have people out here just picketing like we can do something about it when it comes to the Raiders. And, yes, I agree with everything that – you know, majority of people are going on. The wind has been taken out of our se- There is no autumn wind right now. We are looking for the autumn wind. Hopefully Monday we will see some mm-hmm. 
some excitement and we can get some love and some passion back from people because it is sad. It's sad to sit up in the seats. It's sad to to watch everything go on. And as much as I love Crosby, this is not a diss to him, but we have more than Crosby on our team. And when you're watching Devontae and Crosby on teams like the Bears, you know, they had their numbers and then no one else wanted to play because you're just allowing two players to make plays for you. Come on, guys. Yeah, you're a diehard fan. Uh, that was disappointing what happened in Chicago. Disappointing. You asked ask me how it was for the Golden Knights playing, the Blackhawks, the team of your youth, your grandfather, right? Yeah, played, played on a Stanley Cup team for them. And by the way, my dad turns 80 on Friday, and the wow. Blackhawks will be here in town. Wow. And I'm taking him to the game. That is a great moment. Yeah. Fantastic. Give me one thing that you expect the Raiders to do this week in preparation for Detroit. Uh, I hope that, well, first of all, I know every. Everyone is all against McDaniels and everyone wants the firing, right? Like, but we have to work with what we have, right? So I'm expecting from the top down that they are going to look to him for something and we haven't lost all of that from our coach. Because if you lose all that, then we're going to have to rely on each and every individual player and someone to step up. And hopefully we have a lot of respect from Adams and Crosby and they haven't lost it and not all the players are angry. So I'm I'm hoping that we can get it all back together and rally as a team. So you want leadership from the captains. You yes. want Crosby, Devontae. I want leadership. I want everyone to come off the sidelines and like play. Like, do you guys want to play or do you not want to play? You're a professional athlete. Play. Play the game. And everyone together. I you know what you're supposed to do. Have that communication. When you watch football, I mean, I watch football, I love it. You're hearing a lot of talk, right, between the players? Yeah. That's not seeming to go on between our team. Talk to each other. Wow. Sorry, okay. you got me. I, that's why I came down. You got me going, and uh, I'm you, trying our, not to our be Our door going. is always open, so <laughs> feel free to come in again. And we need a shot of adrenaline. I think the Raiders should have a shot of adrenaline. I think they should embrace this challenge because Detroit, Detroit is not an elite team yet. Yet, no. are but they the playing sleeper like, team? And will yeah, it, they are the sleeper will team. They, they're the sleeper team. I said from mm-hmm. day one on their first game. And are we going to go in there and show them, show the world what we are and what we have instead of all this talk for seven days? Because that's what's going yeah. on right now. And show is going to be bigger than us even sitting here chatting about it and being yelling. And I need tequila now. <laughs> we have Tequila Commissario. Uh, see? Now, as we're there the, you go. the king and queen of live reads, the platinum, the gold medal, the award winning tequila. You remember Gavin Maloof came in studio. We tried it. I tried the reserve. So had good. people over the house. People said, What is this? is amazing. What is it? It's Tequila Commissario. You're coming over to the house. Yes, with I your, am. Your bestie, and we're going to have a good time and we'll have some Tequila Commissario. I love that stuff. It's thanks, so good. Thanks for the shot of adrenaline. Well, you're welcome. I didn't Anytime. need it. I didn't need it, but I. No. I I embrace it. So you keep just it started going. me going, like started that fire. Thank but you. you know, even more importantly, it would be so so cool from me to hear from you if you wished Popcorn Peter a happy 80th birthday. Popcorn Peter, that's his nickname. Happy 80th birthday! My dad turned 85. Oh, that's how awesome. big of a blessing it is that we have our dads with us. Yes, it's a huge isn't it? Blessing. I miss my dad every day. My mom every day. I try to get out of here whenever we get a day and fly to see him and. You're taking him to the Blackhawks game, and I'll tell you, first time I ever went to United Center, I can't believe I'm saying this, the Blackhawks put on one hell of a show. That's uh, United Center is amazing, isn't it? Yes, but the, I have one pet peeve. The men come out and clean the ice. 
You know, in between. Yeah, and we have women. And we have beautiful women <laughs> dressed up glamorous like That's you. Hilarious. They clean the ice and they, <laughs> they, they they entertain. And then the puck goes over the glass in Chicago and a bunch of men, like 12 guys, come out and clean the ice and they move it around. And I'm like, this isn't Vegas. Well, it's Chicago. here's my, my biggest pet peeve <laughs> and my funny thing for you, because you're getting mm. to be a desert rat. Yes. Is you are not a true hockey fan until you go to the United Center or mm. any of those uh, when it's negative before the puck is even dropped when i went we were driving we go into the parking lot and i looked at my friends who we went with and i was like where are you going and they're like we're parking i'm like no no we need valet <laughs> they don't have valet one and of it was the, negative one of, 12 one other thing about the united center the neighborhood not too far from there is rough yes okay not too far so i'm walking with my buddy chris my wife my buddy chris's daughter and i got a modello and i have a can of modello with me and i i'm drinking the modello and my uh, buddy's daughter goes Man, you got a beer? What are, you, what are you doing? And I said, in this neighborhood? And a guy overheard us. And he said, they're not going to pop you for a beer in this neighborhood. Right. You're all right here. You're fine. They're worried about other things. <laughs> but then I went in. I saw the Jordan statue. That yes. used to be outside. It's inside now. That was really cool. And then, holy cow, as a Yankee fan, I've seen banners before. I've seen banners. I've never seen anything like that place. They had all the Bulls banners, not only the Blackhawk banners when they won the cup, but when they didn't win the cup and went to the finals. The finals, yeah. The MVPs, Bobby Hull, Michael Jordan, Pippen, mm -hmm. Phil. I was like, this place is crazy. It's so cool. And we hung a banner here with the Vegas and Golden Knights. And they still Knights. love the organ there. They do. Yeah, she I was love fantastic. that. Thank you. I'm You're late. Welcome. I appreciate you coming sorry, in. Sorry. Thank Go Raiders. Come on. Don't lose the faith. Give us something. The please. great Steph McKenzie, 97 won the point. Our PD here, our energy burst. When we come back, we got Jeff Sherman in 15 minutes, the moving odds. You won't believe the odds in this Raider game. Have you seen them today? I'll tell you all about that. The Niners lost. Bang, bang, Niners. Oh, what's going on with Kyle and Purdy? Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. Did we see a chink in the armor? I'll get to that coming up. You're listening to the flagship of the Silver and Black. He loops it over the middle. Intercepted! Yes! The Vikings beat the Niners! And Cam Bynum has a two-interception night. And now a fight it unfurls on the field. And we're not over-exaggerating that. There were punches thrown. These sour-ass Niners can go ahead and get out of town. Oh, my buddy Paul Allen on the call. Vikings Radio. JT back with you. Thanks to Steph McKenzie. Came in. She just voiced that spot for the DeCastaverde Law Group. Established in 2005, brothers Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, their law firm has grown in a big way. Many residents and families find that this law group can handle all their legal problems that could arise. Maybe nothing arises, but if it does, these are my guys. I want to make sure you have the best in town, personal injury claims. Immigration questions, criminal defense needs. The two brothers have a proud legacy through their father of what they built here in the community. You see their billboards right outside Allegiant Stadium. They're season ticket holders for the Raiders. If you get into an accident, if you need legal advice, these are the guys to call. 702-222-9999. That's the Castaverde Law Group. Proud partner of Raider Nation Radio here. So the Niners lose last night. 
And as I'm looking at the league, I just tweeted out what I did last night at JT the Brick on Twitter. I'd like you to listen to it. It was the bad quarterback play this past weekend. I mean, I'm not asking for Dan Marino to come out of retirement like the commercial of Joe Montana, who's sipping on a Guinness. But did you see some of the quarterback play? I mean, Brian Hoyer, unfortunately, is included in that list. And some of the names that were out there. This league has got a quarterback problem. Now, look who played great. Lamar Jackson had one of the best games you'll ever see. But as I've told you, I respect Justin Herbert a lot. I think he's a very good player. This guy's now losing games for the Chargers. I used to think it was that Chargers are going to lose because of injuries or someone, the coach screws it up. No, it's Justin Herbert. He's You got Desmond Ritter in this league. Derek Carr, friend of the show, he's yelling at his teammates. Russell Wilson forgot how to play. Mac Jones, I thought, lost his job in Vegas. He made a couple of good plays. He played pretty well. You got Dobbs of Arizona, Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh, which we can't knock because he beats the Raiders every time he plays. Gardner Minshew, Justin Fields, his stats are awful. Ryan Tannehill, Zach Wilson, Bryce Young hasn't won a game. Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. Anthony Richardson is gone for the year in Indy. P.J. Walker in Cleveland. I mean, look at the names that I'm giving you here in this league. Not very good. A lot of quarterbacks that are struggling. I'm talking starting quarterbacks who wouldn't have been backups 20 years ago in this league. Cousins was fantastic last night. Fantastic. And that's an interesting topic, too, because he should be on the trade block. He should be because the Vikings can no longer continue to go with him if he can't win a Super Bowl. They, they haven't won the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins isn't going to win the Super Bowl, most likely. So they got to figure out what they're going to do. Deshaun Watson isn't playing, but Cleveland's 4-2. And, and, you know, I'm trying to get other fans involved, too. You know, this is a full-service radio show. If you're a Niner fan listening somewhere in the Bay Area, you got a kicker who's a young kicker who's not accurate, and you got Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy's better than I thought. I didn't think he'd be this good. But last night he was very pedestrian down the stretch in that game. So the inferior quarterback play... Last weekend, Tua didn't play well. I'm going through the list. I mean, Geno Smith won at Cardinal Seahawks games 20-10. to 10, And the Raiders have nothing to write home about a quarterback. Brian Hoyer had a chance of a lifetime for him. The guy's 0-13. 0-13 in the last 13 games he started. You can't be serious. That's why I liked him to win the game in Chicago. Thought he was going to break that curse. 702-365-9200. This phone bank should be loaded up with Raider fans who have something to say. Because y'all got something to say anonymously on Twitter. I got an open line for you to say something. Sound off like you got a pair. 702-365-9200. Here's John in New York. John, you're up next. Go ahead. Thanks for waiting. How are you doing, JT? Good, John. Okay. Like you, I was at the game on Sunday. Mm. I flew in from New York for the day. So I'm not even going to talk about it. We know what a disaster that was. I'm going to go along with your topic for the week. Mm. What do the Raiders need to do to mm-hmm. improve? Offensively, I've read a lot about how they're stacking the box on Jacobs and all that. And I think we got to go back to Al Davis's theory of speed kills. Get Trey Tucker out there. Let him mm. spread that defense down. Because right now, those defenses are challenging us to throw deep. They're playing up stopping the run. All we're doing is throwing short passes, and that's the sum of the offense. Mm-hmm. I also think we need to have somebody else call the plays. Let some other guy call it, because 
McDaniels is mm. just too predictable. Yeah, you know, that's surprising yeah. to me, John, because that's the one thing that, you know, I'm really I'm really shocked by. Josh McDaniels has always been an elite, an elite and very good play caller. Mm-hmm. He won a playoff game with Tim Tebow. Come on. And there's been games yeah. here, but I'm surprised that the play calling isn't more aggressive. And I think a lot of that has to do with he's a, at times he's a bit conservative. We all know that. I, uh, mm-hmm. But the other thing is I don't think the offensive line – is conducive to calling a lot of deep and deeper explosive plays. That's a really big issue that I'm going to let the experts figure out who break down the offensive line and look at that because I don't think much of the team, let alone the coaching staff, has tremendous confidence that this offensive line can sustain their pass blocking to let plays establish downfield. Well, with uh, Tucker, Tucker, you have that speed. All you need is him to draw the safety to double cover. That'll open up another receiver. You know, even the tight end. But if you don't have time, if you don't have time to get Tucker 11 yards downfield for a 30-yard pass, I mean, that's the problem. I think you'd agree. It's it, but but you're right. You're onto something. I think that Tucker should be on the field two out of every three downs running some deep route or some deep kind of play that could at least get the eyes of the safeties off Devontae and at least look at the guy speeding down the sidelines. I agree with you on that. That worked when we had Ruggs before you had that. It did. Ruggs was uh, – what happened with Ruggs, we've documented, Ruggs was developing into a very good player and deep threat in this league, and he's out and should be out of the league, but – that's why yeah. we brought in Trey Tucker. And look, if they want to see the younger players develop more in practice, you and I aren't in practice. If it's, they're going to need more time. If they're going to need more time for Tucker and Michael Mayer to grow in the trust process, I don't know what we're waiting for. I don't need to yeah. trust those guys. If we're brought in to make plays, give them a chance to make plays. And when we go to the defensive mm. side of the ball, we mm. tend to make great adjustments at halftime. We hold the teams fairly well. Mm. So I'm wondering what Patrick Graham needs to do to improve his game plan leading in because too many times the other team gets a jump on mm. us and we're busy playing catch-up. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with you on that. Thanks for the call, John. Appreciate you checking in. Cat's got the tongue of a lot of angry Raider fans this week, which is fine. I don't get paid to take calls. I get paid to have opinions. And I'm fresh at this time of day, so I'm ready to roll. 702-365-9200. Modelo. You know, whenever you think of Modelo, you know what I think of? I think of the number one beer in America, and I think of Jim Plunkett. I got my commemorative glass with Jim Plunkett on it, and I pour my Modelo into it. Thanks to Steve Gomez and the team, his great team at Modelo, the fighting spirit and proud partner of our show. Jackson on the play fake, rolls to the right, throws to Mark Andrews at the 10, answers the 5, lunges for the goal line, touchdown Raymond. Yeah, that's another touchdown around the league. The Raiders need more. You just heard Steph bring in the 872 laborers, brought to you by Tommy White. Tommy's been a longtime friend. I see him at every home game, going to suite, 
Always pay tribute to Tommy for building this town on time and on budget from Allegiant Stadium. All the work that's going in town, the 872 laborers, proud partners of our show. They mean everything, and I see their members all the time around town and thank them for everything they do. Jeff Sherman joins us from over at the Westgate as we get rolling here. Jeff, I know you're a big Golden Knights fan. You bring your wife and daughter to the game. Pretty amazing start coming up here for this team. I just saw them in Chicago. How are they when it comes to winning with the odds and covering spreads? Uh, big favorites these days. They're over $2 tonight against the Flyers. They're getting public support like we saw in the, in the first year and last year, too, in their run. And, uh, you know, 6-0-0 oh and oh to start, and they have Philly tonight, and then at home against Chicago. So, you know, favored to keep this going. Uh, what was the liability like? What was it like in town for the Aces and the Sharps who were betting the Aces, especially they had a, right, a real tight game. That final game came down to the last shot. Yeah, uh, the future liability, we had liability on the Aces here as we had public support. In Game 4, it was a lot of New York support without Chelsea Gray and Kia Stokes, and that line moved up on the market from uh, Liberty 1.5 and, and closed 6 on the Liberty, so a lot of Liberty support without the two stars for the Aces. Uh, let's stay. Jeff Sherman joins us from the Westgate locally with UNLV football. Tell me a storyline with them against the spread. Yeah, well, they, uh, they covered every spread this season until uh, this wow. last week against Colorado State, so... They were the last remaining team that was undefeated against the spread. Now they're going on the road this week against Fresno. We've seen some sharp money on UNLV actually taking the nine. It's down to Fresno minus seven and a half right now. Looking back at the Raiders and their loss as a road favorite in Chicago, I was there for the game. They really didn't have a chance in that game at all. And Chicago, with their D2 quarterback, was very impressive. Yeah, and just because of that, we saw a lot of sharp and public supporting the Raiders in that game. It closed close to three, but... Uh, everyone on the same side of that going against uh, Badgett. All right, Jeff Sherman, tell us about Detroit on Monday night uh, coming up here. The line opened up around consensus with 7.5. I see you have it here, Detroit minus 8.5. Yeah, and the public is already supporting the Lions. We're seeing it on the money line. We're seeing it on the spread. and We expect it to be seeing it on teasers and everything connected to the Lions going from the weekend to this game. So, uh, the books in, in Vegas are going to be Raiders fans this weekend. Any sharp money on Tampa Bay Thursday night in Buffalo, the way Buffalo lost a couple of their games this year? So you have it Buffalo minus 8.5 total on that game, 42. Uh, nothing yet. The line went up from 7.5 to 8.5 just because Baker Mayfield is questionable. So it was just a, an error adjustment, nothing uh, across the window. Interesting game coming up. Your uh, opinion, please. Seattle, here you have it minus 3. You get 3 for being at home. And Cleveland coming in. With the inconsistency of the Cleveland quarterback, not knowing when Deshaun Watson's even going to play, let alone how well he's going to play here, pretty even game across the board for me, a total 40 on this one. Yeah, and we had opened Seattle 2.5 and, and seen some sharp support to get it up to 3, and they announced that Watson's supposed to play, but he isn't 100%, and I think people are just betting against that right now. Jeff Sherman joins us. A couple of big road favorites I wanted to touch on. The Swifties in Kansas City, uh, consensus eight and a half. I believe you have Kansas City minus eight on the road at Denver. You know, Russell Wilson's quarterback rating isn't bad, and I think he's playing a little bit better. It's the defense that's been the problem there. Tell me about the total here that you have at 46. Yeah, Kansas City's defense has been surprisingly well this year. and We saw this game when they played in Kansas City a few weeks ago, and the total was 49 and a half and, and got bet down. So we opened this one lower, 46, and uh, – you know, this game reminds me of when the Chiefs played at the Jets and they were laying about the same spread, mm -hmm. and the Jets ended up 
winning that game. So it's a lot of points to lay on the road in a division game with Denver playing a little bit better recently. Yeah, another one. Lamar Jackson had a brilliant game. They just absolutely slaughtered Detroit. You have uh, Baltimore minus eight and a half at Arizona there, and Arizona's getting decent play out of the quarterback here, total 44. They are. It seems like uh, Arizona things are, are n- not as strong as they were early in the season for this team. And you see it from the betting public where they're betting against the Cardinals, and they did with the Seahawks last week. And they drove that game up to 9.5, and, and Seattle won by 10. So we expect Baltimore support here, hence it's over 7. Jeff, do you think Minnesota has life here? This is a pick em game. At Green Bay, I think they're a much better team than Green Bay, even though they have to play it on the road and they haven't had much success there. You know, we had this lineup yesterday, Packers minus one and a half. It took some sharp play on the Packers. It drove it up to two and a half. With Minnesota winning last night, we adjusted it down to pick them. But it wouldn't surprise me if mm. the Sharps are back on the Packers this week. Just uh, tough to come off an emotional win and go on a division road game uh, this week. All right, regular seasons here, Jeff. Lakers at Denver. Uh, Denver minus five in this game here. Just overall opinion with the new league now where they have that early in-game tournament to try to get interest from the players. And what are some of the difficulties now handicapping the NBA coming into this season with the early tournament? Yeah, with the in-season tournament, we haven't seen too much support on that at this time. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the group odds up. Uh, the tournament winner up, but uh, people haven't caught on to that. I think they're going to wait until they get into the season and start handicapping the team's play. But we're seeing a lot of support tonight on the two games, and you know the, the perfect number for this Denver Lakers game is five. They're laying four and a half. They're taking five and a half, so we're settled at five. And finally, uh, season odds to win the championship. Well, give me the top three in the NBA. Well, we got Boston and Milwaukee each four to one, and uh, defending champion Denver at five to one. Then followed by Phoenix at eight, who's drifted up a little bit recently. Uh, Jeff, if you can leave us on the Diamondbacks and Phillies now that the Astro- Astros are out, the Rangers have won. Big spot tonight here. I think you have the run total at eight minus fifteen here, and uh, overall the favorite in this game going into it tonight. Yeah, the Phillies are minus 165, come back on the Diamondbacks plus 150, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, eight over $1.15. We expect to see a lot of Philly support in this spot in Game 7. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you soon. Always appreciate you. All right, thanks, JT. That's Jeff Sherman. That's a really thorough, thorough VP of risk management. Did you hear that? Every game, I, we didn't prepare that. He comes on every sport, every game. We throw a game at him, and he gives you all the information. Bet with your wallet, not with your head. I like Boston. Wanted to get that in. Bobby, that's your team. I'm a Knicks fan. I don't root for anything Boston. I think Boston wins the title this year. They get by Milwaukee and Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I like them over Denver out west. And I think the Lakers are going to be good this year because I think LeBron's going to insist that they get someone big at the trade deadline. They won't be done. Nick in Long Island, who I heard from earlier. Nick, how are you? JT, how are you, man? I've been better, but we're doing the show. Yeah. All good. Yeah, What's happening? This is, uh, this is getting annoying. You know, you, you go online, you see people yelling at the owner at the parade. They want to fire. We're three and four. You can't fire a coach when your record's three and four. It's crazy talk. Um, I, I I wanted to make this work. I was very excited when we hired this guy. I don't I don't want to fire him midseason. I think that's crazy. You're three and four. Anything could happen. There's a lot of winnable games on this on the schedule. But as we've seen over the last two seasons now. We lose all the winnable games, and, and I, we, we have a coaching issue. When we hired this guy, I was very excited. You heard, you read all the things about him, that he attacks the opponent's weaknesses on defense and the game plan changes every week, and we see none of it. We, we lose to Jeff Saturday last year. He doesn't win, the Colts don't win another game from that point out. We, Baker Mayfield's on the Rams for a day. We lose to them. 
and it's all because our offense can never score. Last year, the, the defense holds all these teams in check for the entire second half. We can't get any points. We've now seen, I think, six quarterbacks with this head coach, and it's the same result over and over and over again. Three and four, you're losing to inferior teams every week. You lost to Jeff Saturday last year. You lost to the Bears this week. I can't take you serious as a head coach anymore. There's nothing that, that leads us to believe at this point that we're ever going to be good because if you can't beat these teams every week, whether it's the Steelers, barely beat the Packers, barely beat the Patriots. We are so much more talented than these teams, and we're either losing to them or we're winning by a play here or there at the end of the game. It's unacceptable. He should be coaching for his job for the rest of the season. There's plenty of more winnable games, Jets, Giants, Vikings, Colts. And by the way things are going, we might not win any of them because we cannot score any points. The quarterback has played four and a half games. He's thrown the most interceptions in football. He is playing horribly, too. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, at this point, I hate to be this guy. I love my team. I want them to win every week. But now I'm at a point where I'm watching teams that need QBs in the draft next year and hoping they lose, that they win, so we can pick before them and get a good quarterback. Yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm not there waiting for a draft pick. Appreciate the call. I never am that guy. You never know who's going to be there. If you want a player that badly, mortgage the franchise and trade up and go get him. Mortgage the franchise and go trade up and get him. Get rid of three first-round picks and go get the quarterback if you want him. Not guess that you'll lose two out of the last three or four out of the last five and get him there. Good hour. Very bitter, very intense, which is okay. Coming off a loss. It stings. Hopefully the Raiders bounce back and get a win at Detroit. Hour number two coming up next. Be a part of it. 702-365-9200. Chris Myers will join us from the NFL on Fox.